Welcome to the Five Lives Podcast. Everyone has a story. Here's Shay and Alon's. Again, my name is Shay. I'm Alon. And we have been married for 10 Ten months, months and 14, 14 days. days. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of creeping up on it. But before you get to a year, you got to count every day, right? So we've been married almost a year. And, and it's really been like a seven-year process. Right, leading up to this moment. And throughout that time, we couldn't always see it, but now being where we are, when we look back, I can see how God's hand was upon us the whole time. And it's so fitting, even Alexis, she was asking, do y'all have a specific song that you want us to do? And I said, no, just do whatever's on your heart. And this song was so fitting because God's love so chased us down when we, and we're gonna talk about it a little bit, but really I can see looking back how all those moments, God was like, nope, I got you. I got you. I'm bringing you back. And so he really did um, a work in our lives. And so for the sake of time, obviously, we're not going to be able to share everything. But I am excited to just use this time to be vulnerable. Is that okay? We get, get a little, we're going to tell you a little bit of the dirt, the good, the bad, the ugly. We're going to be vulnerable. And we're just going to share um, because ultimately it just points to the redemptive power of God. He's, he's so good. And it doesn't matter how far off you go. He can always bring you back. And so... Um, this is our story. So, <clears throat> this is kind of cliche, but I mean, it is so true because if you ever asked me if I thought I would be here in this moment or going to church, loving Jesus or married to this beautiful woman here, I would not believe it. You know, I didn't even actually want to get married when I was younger. So the work that God did was awesome. Um, but I grew up, I didn't like church as a kid. We went like a little bit. I uh, didn't like it. My earliest memories of church were me in the kids' room and coloring pictures of lambs. And I hate coloring. It is like <laughs> the worst thing in the world. So I stopped going to kids' church and I started going to the adult church with my mom. I didn't understand it because she went to one of those like churches like, <laughs> you know, and everybody's like jumping around and shouting. And, and I didn't understand what was going on or what was being said at those moments. So I was just like, I do not want to go to church at all. So she would try to get us to go, and me and my brothers, we would just throw fits. We were like, I'm not going. I don't want to go to church. So after a while, my mom just kind of gave up. Um, and my dad at that time, my mom and dad, they were separated. Um, so he was like in and out of our lives at the time. Um, but one day he came to live with us kind of out of nowhere. Uh, we were in the I was in the fourth grade at the time. He came to live with us. And at first it was like the greatest thing in the world. You know, I'm a little kid. I get to live with my dad. You know, I get to be with him all the time. And he was just this really amazing guy that I remember. So I was really excited about it. But over the course of those uh, four years, uh, he didn't work like at all. You know, he didn't work. Um, and he came down, everything was fine for a little while at first, but he didn't work. He just stayed at home a lot. He began drinking a whole lot, um, was drunk all the time. Uh, he was using drugs in the household and, um, it just quickly turned bad. Uh, the relationship, uh, you know, between him and my mom, it grew abusive. Um, and it was just not what I expected. Uh, so fast forward to the eighth grade, uh, is the year that my dad left. I was 13 years old uh, and I got a call to the office uh, from my mom and she told me, you know, that my dad left. He did some really bad things and he just kind of left out. Um, and that really shook me to my core at that time because even though, you know, I saw the bad things that he was doing, he was still my dad. You know, I still wanted him around and wanted him to be there. Um, but he, he left. So that, that really just kind of shook things up. And so from that point on, I wanted nothing, you know, wanted to be nothing like my dad. I was like, everything that I do is going to be the complete opposite of my dad. But what I didn't realize is that his influence on me was never far from me. You know, I tried so hard to not be like him. But looking back, I became and did a whole bunch of the same things that he did. So I grew up with this very distorted view of women because of how he treated my mom, um, because of the other men in my life. I remember being uh, nine or 10 years old and having, you know, grown men telling me I should be having sex with the other young girl up the street. You know, I'm nine or 10 years old and I, and I, I have these 
uh, you know, grown men telling me this, introducing me to pornography and, you know, all of these just just really crazy things that shaped my mind as a young kid. So I grew up with this distorted view of women that they were, you know, really there for one thing, even if I didn't say it, you know, um, that was just my thought process. And I took that on um, a whole lot. But uh, my first kind of taste of God really started in the eighth grade, though, the day that my dad left. Uh, I was walking down the hallway. I was upset and I was crying. And then out of nowhere, there's this guy. He's walking down the hallway. Alex Jamerson. He's one of my best friends in the world uh, to this day. Um, But he saw me crying and he asked me what was wrong. For some reason, I told him what was wrong. And he like talked to me for a little bit. And then he gave me his phone number. And he was like, call me if you ever need anything. And back then, I thought that was really weird. I was like, I'm not calling a guy, you know, (laughs) never do that. So I just kind of put it in my pocket and just kind of left. But we ended up like working together because we had, you know, the same classes and teachers. We ended up working together over the summer with one of our teachers. We became best friends really, really quickly. Um, And he was just a great influence on me. He grew up in the church. He wanted to be a preacher since he was like born. So that was like a a very big influence on me. And uh, I ended up getting baptized when I was about 15 or 16 years old. I gave my heart to the Lord. Um, But from that moment on, I didn't really have anyone to tell me what to do next. You know, I had Alex and and that was awesome, but there was really only so much he could do on a peer to peer level. Um, Nobody else told me there was more after you give your heart to Jesus. Uh, So I just really went back to everything that I was doing from then. Uh, So fast forward, I went to college. Um, And I was just really still steeped in all the same things. I was drinking a whole lot. I was very promiscuous um, and I thought it was okay. I was questioning God. I wanted to study all different types of religions and see what was out there. Um, And and it was just a very, uh, I guess, wide open time of my life where I was just kind of open to anything, whatever was out there. But I was really just searching for something. But the great thing about college is that's where I met this beautiful young woman here. <laughs> Good, that's the husband point. You got one. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was raised a little bit differently. I was raised with both of my parents in our home, and um, and they they both loved me and my brothers and sisters very very much. Um, they raised us to be Christian, and so when I was young, I had a very uh, simplistic view of God like I, there were no barriers when I was a little I remember my my youngest memory of communicating with God was when I was five years old I had gone to this my parents were sending me to this summer day camp this Christian summer day camp and one of my counselors he had won a prize at an amusement park and he, and he let me take it home it was like a teddy bear or something but he was like you gotta you gotta bring it back tomorrow you know I don't know why he let me take the bear home but I remember I, I, I brought it home it was like we were about to get ready for the next day and I lost the bear and I was so nervous because he was like my favorite counselor at the camp I was like he's gonna hate me I was five years old so it was just like a big deal I lost the bear and I remember I was like God please help me find this bear and God spoke to me so clear he said you left it in the car under the seat. And so I said, okay, Lord. So I went down. I was like, Mom, can I have the key to the van? She's like, wait, you're five years old. What are you, you going to do? So I was like, I think I left my bear in the, in, the, in the seat under the car. In the car under the seat. And so I went, and there it was, right there. And God, um, he was my friend. He was my father. I'd had, there was no barriers because I was so little, you know. And he was just a loving father. I would sit in my room. I would play Barbies with him. I, I loved the Lord. I had this relationship with the Lord. He would, he would just, and I, and I learned, you know, all the stories of David and Goliath and Moses, and I knew all the little stories. It was so funny that I even would preach sometimes. I would get my stuffed animals, and I would line them up on the couch, and I would get like a little music thing. I could barely read, and I would say, hallelujah, yes, can I get an amen, you know, and I would, <laughs> my little brother. <laughs> It was, it was a mess. When my little brother, he was he was three when I was five. So sometimes I would sit him down and I would try to read the King James Version of the Bible to him. I could barely read, so we never got past like Genesis 1, 2, you know. But, um, but I remember having just this like love for God, this like carefree relationship with him when I was a little, little girl. But as I got older, my eyes started to be 
more opened to what was happening in my home. And you know, when you're a little kid, you're, you're not always aware of abuse. You're not always aware of pride, of unforgiveness, of the chaos that is happening in your home. But the older that I got, and the more I seen my, my parents' relationship, the more that um, I was exposed to it, the more I would overhear things, you know, it really began to um, open my eyes to the fact that we were not actually living out all of these things we talked about. So we talked about the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and how God redeems and how God can change and, and do all these things. And, and we had that idea, but it wasn't actually the reality in my home. In reality, there was a lot of love, but it was an abusive home. There was a lot of issues with my dad and my brother. It wasn't his father. And just there were so many um, issues. There was financial issues. We ended up losing our house and uh, we were didn't have anywhere to go for a while. We moved in with my grandma who had mental illness. And there's just a lot of, of chaos. And so I realized that we're not walking out the things that we talk about. And I, I wanted to be able to walk those things out, but I had no real example of somebody who knew God and knew the word of God and allowed that to transform them. And so I remember as I grew older, I had this, I had a good idea of like the things of God. I, I knew about the Bible. I knew about the stories. I had these experiences when I was younger, but growing up and just going through life, it really kind of tainted and shook that. And I had no one to show me how to walk with the Lord. And so that's how I was when I went into college, kind of similar to Elon, having this idea of God and wanting him, but also not really knowing what it looked like to allow the Lord to tangibly change and touch my life and my heart. So, college. <laughs> so we met in 2010 when we both came down. She's from Pittsburgh, I'm from St. Louis. Uh, we met on the first day of freshman activities. It was casino night. Uh, and I don't really remember much else about that night, but I met her, um, and she thought I was a player at first. He was a player. Um, <laughs> it wasn't no thought. <laughs> he was. He she was. thought I was a player at the time. She always saw me with a bunch of different girls around campus, and she just really didn't like that. But somehow, um, we just started communicating. We got we exchanged numbers, and we started hanging out, and we grew really close really, really quickly. Um, we like were really we really were like best friends really quickly. We would just share everything and and talk about all the stuff that you know happened when we grew up, what's going on now. We just shared like everything with one another. But from that, our relationship it quickly turned very physical, very sexual. Um, and Shannon, she really tried to like resist, you know, because she grew up, she had, you know, certain Christian convictions and she was really trying to live for the Lord the best that she could, the best she knew how. Um, but me, I had a different agenda. You know, I was the guy trying to be the bad influence and, um, and I guess not necessarily like intentional, like I want to make you bad, but it was just all that I really knew how to do. Um, so I would peer pressure her a lot. Um, she didn't drink at all at the time. You know, she only, you know, she would still go out. She started going out to like the different bars and the club, but she would get a cup of water um, and tell people it was vodka so they would leave her alone. Um, but she, she only drank water. And I remember, um, you know, this one time we were there and, uh, you know, she had the cup of water. I asked her what it was and she was like, you know, it's vodka. She, uh, she was like, no, I'm just playing. It's just water. And then I just started peer pressure. I was like, that is so lame. You're such a square. You're such a prude. Drink. Just drink this. Just come on. Just one shot. Just drink. Just drink. And and out of she just she took the drink, you know, and, it, and from there, it just kind of really like spiraled out of control. You know, she took one drink and then from there we were drinking together every single weekend. We were getting drunk every single weekend. We were going out multiple times in a week sometimes. Um, and that really opened the door to a lot of different things. It opened the door to, you know, weed and, you know, other, just, just everything. Yeah. So, you yeah. Know. And so like all that, all that was going on. We were, we were spending all this time together. We were very physical in our relationship um, but we still, we didn't have any, like, we weren't dating. We weren't in anything committed. We, we called each other. I, you know how kids, like, they, they're, like, messing around with they say, oh, this is my best friend. So we called each other friends. And so 
he was still kind of talking to other ladies on the side because he was a player at the time. Was, mm-hmm. So I know that there were like, it, there was other people that he was talking to and, and all this stuff, but I really liked him. I did at this time and, and my heart was starting to get involved and this is why you do. You have to guard your heart because I was like falling for him. I really, really liked him, but we would have these different conversations and he would say, Oh, you know, like, you know, I don't want to be in a relationship. Like, I don't want to be committed. And I think a lot of that had to do with his background and what he shared about never really wanting to to get married and and didn't really have a lot of interest in committed relationships. And I I know he dated a girl in high school and that didn't end well. So he was always saying, like, you know, I don't don't think I want any commitment right now. But I liked him a lot. And I was like, okay, well, we're really close. I think I'm the girl that he's talking to the most. So I think I can wait this out. Eventually, he's going to want a girlfriend. He's going to realize how amazing I am. And I am going to be... I'm gonna be like his next girlfriend. So I was like, that's okay. We can we can be best friends because we were like we were hanging out all the time anyway. And so I remember we we went home for the holidays. It was second semester of our freshman year, um, <laughs> and I was at work study. I was sitting in my office at work study. He calls me up and he says, Shannon, I need to talk to you. I've been thinking. I've been thinking about like the relationship stuff, and, and there's just something that I want to tell you. And I'm like, this is it. He's going to ask me to be his girlfriend. Yes. So I told my work study boss. His name was Jay. I was like, Jay, I gotta leave early for the day. I went to my dorm room. I got cute, you know, fixed the eyeliner, everything. And he's like, can you meet me outside? It, it was like this cute little courtyard, a little bench under a tree. It's like 75 and sunny. It's just perfect, perfect setup. So we're sitting under the tree on the bench, and he, he comes and he's like, he's like, yeah, I, I know I told you like I, I don't want to be in a relationship, but I just I think that like my heart is changing and and I think I'm gonna ask Jasmine to be my girlfriend. I'm and ashamed like, of this story. I, I'm ashamed. I'm like, I'm like, wait, what? Who? <laughs> like what? He's like. Yeah, I'm gonna ask Jasmine to be my girlfriend. <laughs> and I was like, are you are you kidding me? Are you kidding? I was done. I was livid. I was so heartbroken, y'all. And like long story short, we I mean we I think we talked about it all night and we like ended up just we were going back and forth, but I was like, you know what, Elon, that's fine. We are not friends anymore. Like don't call me, don't text me, you can lose my number. We are through. And so I remember we went to bed that night, and then the next morning he called me, and he's like, please, like, meet me, meet me outside, like, I want to talk to you. And so we meet outside, and he says, uh, he says, if, uh, if you're not going to be my friend anymore, I don't want to be Jasmine's boyfriend. I still want to be your friend. <laughs> it was so sweet. He was like, he's like, yeah, like, I'm not, like, because I would rather us be friends than, than that. And so then... Trying to have your cake and eat it. You, you couldn't, I mean, you kind of were, but you couldn't do both. I was drawing the line in the sand. And so then we became friends again because he wasn't going to be, <laughs> he wasn't going to be Jasmine's boyfriend. So then we became friends again. Yeah. <laughs> Craziness. So we started officially dating uh, August 25th, 2011. That was the day. Um, and then that's kind of started our second semester of our second year of college. Um, and that's is, this is the time where we really kind of started getting a, a touch of Jesus um, in this second year. So they had Chi Alpha uh, ministry, campus ministries. They were on campus uh, and they were like inviting people and they had the burger bashes and everybody loves free food. You know, so we started going to some of their events. Uh, we met. Um, one of our friends now, her name is Deanna. She was with Chi Alpha. She would invite you know, us to her Bible studies, and we started going to those. We joined this group. It's called a CLC, a Christian Life Community, um, and that sparked a lot of spiritual conversations because there were uh, just a bunch of college kids who were just searching for something, uh, and everybody was just getting together and just talking about just everything that we were searching for. So it was people of all different backgrounds, different religions and walks of life, and it, it just sparked a whole lot um, in us. And at that time, I don't know why or how, but I have the Bible app on my phone, and I look back and I see the years 
Um, and, and it has like me finishing Bible plans from like 2011 and 2012. I'm like, I can't believe that I was actually doing that. So I was reading the Bible back then. I remember a little bit of it. Um, and then, uh, but we were still kind of, you know, still in our, our enmeshing our way. Shannon, she was trying harder, you know, to be celibate. Um, it wasn't working very well. Um, you know, I, I kind of at that time, like even, you know, started feeling a little bit guilty about it as well. You know, and I knew that her background didn't match with my background. And, and at times I even questioned, I was like, I am not the guy for this girl, you know, because I, I'm just like dragging her down, you know, to wherever I'm at. Um, and so we were we were still sleeping, but God was just really moving in that time. Uh, we started we were going to this church. Um, it's, uh, it was a Wesleyan church. It was right across the street from Tulane University. Uh, on Ferret Street, and they had dinner, like real dinner, you know, like after, after, every, service, service. after every service, it was a real dinner, so it was in the evening, which worked good for us, we weren't waking up early to go to church, it was at like 6.30, you go to service, and then you have a full-fledged dinner, so, you know, we were poor, we were hungry, so we would go, and then, <laughs> you know, afterwards, we would like, they had like Hawaiian sweet bread for the communion, so like, we like really enjoyed that, and <laughs> and then we would like at the end of it, it would be over, and we'd like be so hungry, we'd go up to them and be like, "What are y'all gonna do with the communion bread?" <laughs> and they were like, "We're just gonna throw it away." We're like, "Well, can we have it?" And they were like, "Yeah." So they started giving us the communion. It was like the big loaf, you know. So we like really enjoyed going there, but but even us going there for those reasons, it still had just such an impact on us because of the environment that we were in. Um, so this year, later on, though, God, he really did a miracle because yeah, yeah. tuition was going up at Loyola and it looked like we weren't really going to be able to stay yeah. at Loyola. We were making, actually, we had started making plans to transfer. We were like, there's just no way. I remember it went up like eight, it was $8,000. I remember the next, next year that we came back, I was calling my parents and I was like, I, I, we didn't budget for this. Like, I didn't budget for this. I don't know how I'm going to just come up with that extra $8,000 with how the tuition went up and then, like, room and board went up and, like, meal plan, everything went up. Um, and so I told Alon, we were talking. He was like, I can't afford this either. We started to pray, and I was like, yeah, I've always been pretty proactive, I guess. So I was like, I'm going to go to the financial office. You know, I'm a good student. I have a good GPA. I'm active on campus. Like, they should be able to do something. So I remember I went into the office, and I spoke with a woman. And after a long conversation, she basically said, now, I was work, I was doing work study. I had, like, another side job on campus. I was, like, um, uh, filming some of the classes. And then I also worked at the melting pot. So if anyone ever needs some fondue recipes, come <laughs> So I had three jobs. I was in school. I was active on campus. Um, and so I went to... The, the financial office and the lady who I spoke with in so many words was like, well, if you, if you can't afford this school, like, you shouldn't have came. And I was like, what? I was like so crushed and so discouraged. And unfortunately, even though my parents would have loved to, they weren't in a financial position to help me with school. So I was in New Orleans on my own, no family, three jobs in school. I, it was just me. And so I was really discouraged. I went back and I told Elon and we started to pray, and then the next day I felt encouraged. I was like, no, I'm going to go back. I'm going to ask to speak with a different financial person. We're going to try this again. So I remember I went back, and I spoke with a man named Michael. I'll never forget his name because it's my brother's name. And um, Michael, he listened to me, and I was telling him everything that happened. And he said, you know what? Give me a second. I might have something for you. So he went out of his office for about two minutes. He came back and he said, you know, a couple weeks ago, we got this $8,000 scholarship for a music industry study student, which is my major. And he said, so I can accredit that to your account and you'll be all good. Oh. Hallelujah. I was like, I mean, I, I remember I burst into tears. He's like, do you need, I'm like, Michael, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm just, I was just blown aback like God so faithful and I knew it was nothing but the Lord and so I went like running to Elon's dorm I'm like I gotta tell Elon I told Elon he goes the next day because he needed money to talk I was like you gotta ask for Michael don't ask for the other lady she won't tell you you need a job <laughs> and so, so 
he goes, he asked for Michael, same thing. There was someone else who gave an $8,000 scholarship for a physics, his major was like physics or engineering or something, accredited that to his account. It was so awesome. And then I think, I think it was Michael who told us, he was like, if you need help with books, go talk to this guy in the, they had like a, the Jesuit center. So I was like, awesome because I didn't have any books either. I was like photocopying like my friend's books, no money for books, what are you gonna do? You just photocopy them. And so I went to um, the, the Jesuit center and I asked him, I was like, do y'all have like used books or books you can donate? And he said, just give me a minute, just go to the bookstore and like pick out all the books you need and I'll be there in a, in a second. And I'm like, but you know I don't have no money for these books. I don't know why you have me like, you know, just so you know. And so we get there, he purchases all the books that I need for that semester. So, so sweet. I was like, Amon, you gotta go to the Jesuit Center. <laughs> you gotta go and ask for, for uh, what was that? I can't even remember his name, but he was so awesome. So he goes, purchases all of Elon's books. It was just, it was so incredible. And I love that story, not only because obviously like God provided a way for us financially, but we really were seriously considering transferring mm -hmm. to another school and leaving New Orleans. And now looking back, this city being here in this place at the time we were was so important mm -hmm. for our story and for what God wanted to do. The people that we met along the way, the church that we ended up going to, God knew where he wanted us to be. And so he was like, no, 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 no. Before you start making your amazing plan to leave the city and save money, like I got you because this is where I want you to be. And we didn't know it then, but New Orleans is, is, is our home. It's, it's a part of our story. And so he made a way for us to stay here and to stay in school, which was so so amazing and it's also like the first it's like one of my first memories i have of ever praying and seeing that actually come to pass and seeing god move because mm -hmm. i pray i didn't know how to pray didn't really know the reason behind but i just like she was like hey mom we gotta pray you know her christian background like kicked in at the moment and you know we prayed and god showed up and that is like one of my early my first memories of that happening so yeah it was pretty sweet and so even though tuition i mean even though those things happened we were still trying to figure out ways to save money because we knew the tuition would be going up again which it did so we got the bright idea we were like let's get a group of friends together we'll move off campus and move into like a townhouse right to save money because all of us together was going to be cheaper than staying in the dorms and so we all got a house and at this point too, as we were getting closer to the Lord, we were feeling more convicted about just like how we were interacting with each other, the physical side of our relationship. So we had the brilliant solution. We were like, we'll move into the townhouse with all of our friends and your room will be downstairs and mine will be upstairs and then we'll be separated. And so we won't fall into any temptation, right? Like that was genius. And I think too, just looking back now, I learned like you really like don't even, don't even play with the fire you know like why say how close can I get to the line you know like I'm like so I, I don't want to be anywhere near the line now but then I didn't know and we kept putting ourselves in these compromising situations really setting ourselves up for failure and and, and then we would fail and so Living in that house obviously caused us to struggle a lot with temptation but it also added this extra layer of um, of, of intimacy to our relationship that we were not only not mature enough to handle but really shouldn't have been a part of our dating relationship. It wasn't healthy for us to be living in this space because even though a, a lot of times you, in, in a Christian context you think about how like sex is for marriage, just us living in this house, sharing a car, sharing the washing machine, doing each other's laundry, sharing meals, creating this life together, sharing our finances, it really did create this life where like we were married. We were living like we were married and we weren't. And so that was very difficult emotionally because as a young woman, I was looking to Elon to, to you know, fulfill my emotional needs and all kinds of things like how a, how a husband would because we put ourselves in that kind of situation. And he was not equipped to, to get that from me. He was not equipped to do that. He was still, you know, just trying to figure stuff out himself. I'm still trying to figure stuff out myself. And so it caused 
a lot of tension in our relationship. It caused me to feel lonely. I felt unfulfilled. Um, and ultimately, it caused me to be unfaithful to him in our dating relationship at that time. Mm-hmm. So at this time, so I in 2012 started, I was originally working at Olive Garden. Um, and I was like a host there, but it didn't pay that much money and the, I didn't like it at all. And then uh, I was looking for jobs and I saw this post and they were like, make a whole bunch of money, you know, 500 a week minimum, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool, that sounds great. So I go to this place. It turns out it's like a door-to-door sales place. So I started in door-to-door sales 2012, right? I was selling Kirby vacuums. I might have knocked on some of y'all's doors, you know, <laughs> maybe been in your house, did a demo or anything like that. You never know. Um, but, but, and I, and I actually kind of enjoyed it. It was, it was pretty fun. Um, but on the road, like I was just gone for long hours. We would work 12 to 15 hour days. Sometimes we would drive two, three hours out and then come back. So we're getting home like really, really late. Um, and so it really did put a strain on our relationship because I would come home. She want to talk. She want to tell me what's wrong or if we had something going on, she want to like discuss it. And I just like fall asleep. And this is like pass out mid conversation, you know, or we get into an argument and I just be like, yeah, okay. And I just go to sleep, you know, because I I wasn't ready to handle that. I didn't have the patience at that moment. Um, And I I still didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was still stuck in my ways of growing up, my background of how I grew up, how I saw women be treated. And it just really put a strain on that relationship. But while I was there, I met a guy. His name is uh, Henry, and Henry, he was really awesome. I love Henry. He, uh, he, me and him, we began to like just talk about the Bible and talk about God, and and we were just kind of. Um, he was older than me, but we were both still like searching. But we knew there was something, and and we would like read the Bible together and and quote verses and stuff that we find that that we felt applied to our lives together. Um, we go out uh, sometimes on our off days, and we'd be like trying to sell you know, vacuums and stuff like that. And then oftentimes we would just stop like in the middle of it. And, you know, one, one of us would be like, hey, like, let's like get out. And, and we started like getting out and we would walk up to people with our Bibles in our hands and we'd be like, can I tell you this Bible verse? And we like <laughs> tell the people the Bible verse and then like we just like walk on. And like that was like, you know, but it was just like an awesome time that I had, you know, me and him, we, we grew pretty close. We were on the road together for, you know, hours at a time. We were, you know, same goal, common, you know, trying to sell, make money and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so it was just a great time. But so fast forward a little bit. Uh, I got a different position there. I became the uh, customer service manager. So I got like a car and I had to like drive all over the state of Louisiana for the places where they sold the vacuums. And I had to like, if people tried to cancel a deal, I had to go in there and try to talk them out of canceling, you know. (laughs) So I dealt with all that stuff. Or like there were some people on, you know, who were selling who were like really like, kind of jerks you know so they treated the customers really badly so I had to go clean up their messes and you know really talk people out of canceling because they were like really angry about the stuff that they did so it was just a a hot mess but it was awesome because I was completely alone on the road so I just drove just hours and hours and on the road I remember I had a CD I think Justin might have gave me this CD this is one of my best friends here um it was a Jesus Culture CD because he like started going to church um, a lot during that time. Uh, and he had a Jesus Culture CD and I started listening to it in the car. Uh, and then I just had it on repeat like all the time. I memorized like every song that they had because it was like the only worship CD I ever had or ever even knew at the time. So I would be driving. I'd be like listening to the worship CD. Uh, I'd be like reading my Bible on the highway. I'm sorry if y'all were driving next to me, but I was like reading the Bible, like looking and, you know, and, and it was, it was a great time though. And I think that even though I was doing like crazy stuff on the road, I feel like God really honored that because I was really searching for him. I really wanted to know God in that moment. I, I heard so much about him. I saw people, you know, living for him and I really just wanted to know who he was. So I was doing everything that I could to try to get to know him, you know, without having somebody, you know, there to really teach me how to do it. Um, 
So while I was on the road, though, uh, I had gone to church every once in a while. I, I usually would work on the Sundays, and uh, but I'd gone to church, and then one time the pastor was talking about fasting. And he talked about fasting and how if you fast, you can get healed. Um, and so I was like, okay, that sounds like really, really interesting. You know, you fast, you get healed. Because I had <laughs> suffered from allergies for like my entire life up to that point, or starting sixth grade up until that point. And they were life-threatening allergies. So I couldn't eat fruits. Like, this is crazy. I couldn't eat fruits, couldn't That's eat vegetables. Crazy. I could eat broccoli. Yeah, I could eat broccoli, but I didn't like broccoli. So it was bad. So and, and when I was younger, it was cool because I had an excuse. I'm like, well, mom, I can't eat that. You know, I'm allergic. So just give me some candy, some meat. I'll be good. You know, but as I got older, I'm like, well, this isn't going to work anymore. I need some substance. Yeah, I had the EpiPen. Look, wait, one time. And, wait, I'm sorry. But he told me this when we started dating and I didn't believe him. Like, how are you allergic to fruits and vegetables? Like, that doesn't even make sense. And one time we're in the cafeteria, he's eating an apple pie that's slightly undercooked, so it was like, I guess, still a little bit healthy. Because I could cook, like, if you cook it for a long time, yeah, it's then not, it, so like, denatures. He eat, he's eating the apple pie, we're sitting at the table, and he's like, he's like, he's like, don't panic, but my throat is swelling shut. So I need you, <laughs> he's like, I need you to get me to the hospital right now. That, that makes someone panic. Like, now I'm panicked. He's like, don't, he's like, but, and I'm like, we gotta get up, you gotta get up, we gotta run. He's like, but if I move faster, it's gonna happen faster. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not stabbing you with the EpiPen, Elon, you're gonna die in the cavity. <laughs> we got I've him to the hospital. I've never used the EpiPen. I've always been scared to use it. So this is another time where God really revealed, because I would swell up and stuff on camp and, and like, or, or if I was at home and I would like pray because I'm like, like I, I'm gonna die and I don't want to stab myself because this thing is like this big. Because I'm like, God, help me! Like I don't want to die. Like help me, help me! And then I wouldn't die. So like I was like, thank you. Like, you know? <laughs> but so so I I was really intrigued by that. I was like, well, this this fasting thing it sounds like it might work, you know. And I remember God really speaking to me during that time and saying. Three day water fast. If you do a three day water fast, you'll be healed. So I was like, okay, that sounds crazy. So it was coming around our church every year. We do a 21 day fast in January. So I started the fast with them. I was on the road. I'm driving. I'm reading my Bible. I'm worshiping. I'm praying as best as I could. And and then I'm like, well, I can't, you know, do water because I'll probably die, you know. So I'm just gonna like eat a little bit healthier. So I eat like sandwiches and, you know, instead of fried chicken and, you know, get some lunch <laughs> meat and stuff. And so it was really crazy because I remember God like really putting it on my heart again in that moment, like three days water, you'll be healed. And I was like, okay, well, either this is true or it's not. So I'm gonna like just go ahead and try to fast. Like this is gonna heal me. So. I fasted for two days um, the first time, and then they brought Izzo's illegal burrito into the office. <laughs> and I was really fighting it. I was like, man, this is like, ooh. And then I like caved in after like 10 minutes of like, you know, contemplating. And they knew it was my favorite, and they would, they just, it was crazy. So I ate Izzo's illegal burrito, but I got home and I was like, well, maybe, you know, like I'll still be, be healed, you know, maybe like God will still heal me. So, I tried to eat some fruit that night and then my mouth swelled up and I was like, man, dang. But then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this for real. So three days. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, nothing but water. It's my first time fasting. And on midnight, after the three days, I ate a grapefruit. It was my first fruit that I ate and nothing happened. And I was ecstatic. And, and it was it was just the most amazing thing that ever happened to me in my life. I'm like, I have literally suffered from these allergies. Like, I could die if I ate this yesterday. <laughs> or even a couple days before when I had the Izzo's. I, I, you know, I could die from eating this stuff. But now I'm healed. And, and if you don't believe me, you can go on my Facebook. I have a post from 2014 in January somewhere. It's a post of me telling people that I just got healed and like nobody believes me like I need pictures or it didn't happen make a video but like God healed me of these allergies and now to this day I can eat fruits and vegetables and it's just the most amazing thing so that was God in that moment just really revealing himself 
to me and just showing me like this is who I am like this is how I want you to know me I want you to know that I can heal you I want you to know that I'm gonna take care of you you didn't die all the other times that you had a, a throat you know swelling up and stuff like that like I am your protector you know and and it was just so impactful in that time and that just made me want to know God even more and it was always like that what I've seen in me and I'm sure for everybody else, but it's always been God would make the first move and then I would just respond and he would make another move and then I would just respond and he would do something else amazing and then I would just respond. And it's just always been like that, you know, where I'm like, this is the, you know, $8,000 for school. Awesome. Like, I want to know this God who gave me $8,000 and then it's like, you know, healing of the allergies. And I'm like, I really want to know this God who healed me of, of the allergies. Like, this is just amazing. I have to have to know this God. And so we went to, um, so I ended up quitting the job because I was just really burnt out after, you know, a little while there. Um, that was like almost two years there, I think, of just working like 80, 90 hours a week. So I quit the job and I started going to church like consistently from there. And then that June, we went to uh, this conference called the Louisiana Outpouring, and it was just so impactful for my life. And that was the moment where where I crossed over, where Shannon just crossed over and was like, I am living for Jesus. Like, this is the moment of my life. There's no turning back. There's nothing else that I can do. There's nothing greater in this life. Like, I want to live for Jesus. So I crossed over. Uh, like we were like just so hungry for the things of God and, 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 and what he had for us. We were going to drive this busted up truck that we had that probably wouldn't have made it. You know, we were planning to drive that all. It was like three hours away. And, you know, but we just really wanted to know God, you know. Um, and so we just we just were planning to do it. So from that moment, though, or actually it was it was months before it was probably um well, sometime in the beginning of the year, we decided to stop having sex uh, for good. We were still like living in the same house, though. Uh, we were still sharing the same room. But then after a while, you know, God really put it on my heart to move out of the room. And so I talked told Shannon one day, I was like, listen, you know, God's really, you know, putting it on my heart. You know, we got to, you know, to, to move out of the room. I'm going to, you know, go downstairs. And that was where I originally was supposed to be. Right. Um, you know, but. And Shannon, she was just really upset. You know, she she was like, just really say, even though we, we had stopped, you know, having sex, but just that life that we built that, you know, we just were so intertwined in everything that we did that us, you know, even just that tearing apart, it was just very, very difficult um, on both of us. You know, and then uh, later on that year after the outpouring, our lease was coming up to an end. And then Shannon, she just, you know, felt really, you know, strongly about just moving out, just not, you know, breaking, you know, breaking the lease, not living together anymore. It was so um, funny. I, I remember I remember praying about that. And I was like, Lord, the lease is coming up. Should I renew it? And he was like, no. And I was like, wait, Lord, the lease is coming up. Should we? <laughs> and he was like. No. <laughs> it was like so, you know, like, I don't know. You ever had those moments where God's like, no, you shouldn't. And I remember, too, I, I had called my pastor because I was like, I need confirmation. <laughs> I called my pastor and I was like, I, I've been thinking about this. I've been praying about this. And I feel like I feel like the Lord is, is telling me, like, not to renew my lease. And she's like, yeah, that, that bears witness with me. And I'm like, wait a minute, I, I'm, are you sure? Like, you're, you're hearing me? She's like, she's like, yeah. And it was so sweet because I knew my pastors, they seen this happening. At this point, we had been going to the, the church kind of on and off, and then we started going consistently. But they seen this happening for like the kind of three, four years, and they knew we were living crazy and doing all this stuff. And never, I know they were praying for us, and when, when we allowed them to speak into our lives, they did, but they gave us the space and the time needed for God to convict us. We didn't move out because we were like, oh, like, what are people going to think about us? Or our pastors are going to think it's wrong. Or, you know, it was like we were, we were beginning to make these changes because we were like, we want to live for God. And God is saying, this is what you need to do. And I want to be obedient to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so they were so supportive and just praying for us. And I just so appreciated them for that, too, now that I look back. So from there, 
we um, moved apart. Yeah, we moved apart. Uh, I got to move with in with our pastors. pastors. That was a really awesome time. Uh, she moved in with her friend uh, Bella. Um, she was kind of sad. She felt like kind of abandoned because our pastors kind of took on that role of like, you know, parents and, you know, we don't have our family here. Um, so she felt a little bit abandoned in that time. Uh, and then she moved in with a friend of ours, Linda. Um, and Linda was great with boundaries. Yeah, right? <laughs> it was so sweet because God, he so, he so set that up because I remember Linda was moving from New York. She was going to be moving, moving to New Orleans in two months. And I needed like two months to stay until like my roommate came. And so I was calling and my friend Bella was like, hey, we have this room open for two months and then someone's going to be moving in. So it's just going to be free for like available for two months. The rent is like really cheap. So it gave me some time to save up some money too. But exactly the amount of time I needed to stay with her. And then Linda came so great with boundaries. And I really learned that from Linda because I needed that in my life. I needed to learn how to set healthy boundaries because obviously I had no sense of that and so Linda thank you for for helping me with that and um and then yeah yeah so after we moved apart so we started learning about boundaries we were setting them we were embracing them uh you know we had some accountability I was living with my best friend then um and we were doing like really well but over the holiday it was uh December 2014 I remember the Lord he just really spoke to me about breaking up with Shannon. He was like, you need to break up. And so I was like really angry. I was like, God, why would you let us be together this long? If you wanted us to break up, I'm so angry with you right now. And, you know, and then after I like got over all that, like, um, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it, you know? And it was really difficult because she was out of town. So like she would call me and, and I knew I wanted to do it in person. So I had to like pretend like everything was good and just try to like, hurry up and get off the phone. So it was like kind of awkward for a while. And then she came back January 1st of 2015. I like called her up. I was like, we got to talk. She thought I was coming to see her because I missed her. You know, she like brought a dress. She was like, you know, we can go on dates and this is that. And I then, wanted to show him my dress. I was yeah. like, he's coming over. He misses me. I'm going to show him the dress yeah. I bought out of town. It was bad. So I <laughs> came over there and then and then I broke up with her. I was like, yeah, this God is really, you know, telling me. And, and, and I didn't really understand it at the time. It was a very confusing time for us and very difficult for us when we broke up because we didn't know what was to come. This was the person who, I mean from our adulthood in college on our own this was the, the the person who I built my life with you know so it's like you know we're already moved apart now we're breaking up like what is gonna come of this time you know are we supposed to even be together is there somebody out there for us are we supposed to just be single for you know like we just didn't know what was going on um and it was really difficult because we had the same church the same friends. friends like I mean we it was just really really bad but like our lives were so intertwined because of just how we were living um and so it was like literally like a divorce you know um but during that time it was awesome because like it just really allowed us God created that space for him to like really work on me and to really work on her to really show me uh, what it means to be a man during that time. I remember as soon as we broke up, I was leaving the house and then I just got this just rush of just thoughts and and just memories of like all the ways that I just was like not that great of a boyfriend during that time. And I was like, man, I have to do better, you know, and it just really, really grew, um, grew both of us in that time during that separation. Yeah. There. And it was, so, it was really, it was hard on me because I didn't see it coming at all. Like I was, I thought we were going to like start having healthy boundaries and like, then we would like get on a road to marriage. And I was like, don't call me after nine o'clock. Cause that's my about, you know, I was like, <laughs> right there, you know, and I, and we broke up and I didn't see it coming and it was it was so hard but I remember um, the next day after we broke up I went to the grocery store I was in Rouse's in Mid City I was shopping and I just broke down like I was like I was so so sad I broke down I was like on the floor next to the meat like crying and the Lord spoke to me so clear he was like get up he said I'm your boyfriend now like I got you and everything that he the comfort, the security, the friendship, the 
you know, just someone to confide in. Like, I am going to be that for you. And I'm going to teach you that there is nothing in this world, not even my husband can provide the things that the Lord can provide for me. And he's like, I am going to be that in your life and really did create the space for me to learn how to love him more than anybody else, more than any man, more than any anything, and learn that God is my provider. Like, God was my boo. Like, he said, I got you. We're going to grocery shop, everything, your car, I got you. I know you can't fix the car. I'm going to provide everything. And so it was so awesome. And so um, I remember, too, uh, the Lord told me that Elon was going to leave after we broke up. And I was like, oh, God, he's going to become a missionary in China. He's going to go away for four years. And then it, like, I just it, it, I thought it was going to be so dramatic. But he ended up actually just going to California for three months. He went to school. He got accepted in, into this school and he became a software engineer. So he went away for three months. And while he was away. I remember one day I was shopping in Rouse's. I was actually, I, I was on the phone with you and then I, I got off the phone. I was talking to Justin about Elon and I was telling him like I missed him and all these different things. And um, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you have to tell him. And I was like, tell him what? And he said, all those times you were unfaithful when y'all were dating, like you have to tell him. Cause at this point I had, I had never told him. And so at the moment I didn't know, but the Lord wanted a clean slate. I knew that he knew that the marriage piece was coming and he wanted to make sure that we didn't go into that with any kind of secrets, any kind of baggage. But I remember being in a TJ Maxx and he was like, you have to tell him. And he started to bring back all the memories, all the things that I had kind of buried of the times that I had been unfaithful to him when we were dating. And he was like, you have to tell him and you have to tell him today. And I'm like, today. Like I was like in a I'm like in a heap on the floor. Like Lord, He's never gonna talk to me again. Like every chance we had of getting back together or getting m- married, that is like done. Like if I tell him this, and so I remember I called my pastor. I spilled the beans to her, and I was like, I told her I had never told anyone what I had did, and I told it to her, and she again just so amazing. She listened. She gave me wise counsel, and she was like, if you need to be obedient to the Lord. And so the next day I called him and I, had, I wrote down to everything that I did. I tried to recall as much as I could in case he had any questions. I wanted to be completely and totally transparent. And so I told him everything that, that I had did. And I know he was, he was upset and it broke his heart. But, you know, actually he had some things to tell me too because he was also unfaithful in that time. And so we're here just like sharing these such difficult horrible like hard things to say to people and when I tell you I have never felt the grace the peace the love of God so heavy on a moment as that it just was incredible it was so incredible and I believe it was because of our obedience to just and I I had resolved in my heart I was like Lord if he never talks to me again if we don't end up getting married I mean like I have to be obedient to you like no matter what that consequence looks like and like yes I love them and all that stuff but like this is what you're telling me to do and so we shared those things we had like a tough conversation that lasted like a couple weeks but I think in that time the Lord gave us a supernatural capacity for forgiveness also while he was away he just really did like a healing work in his heart and in mind to just be able to forgive each other and we during that time became closer than we had ever been in our whole relationship and I think it really solidified the fact that we were going to get married and God was like yes like clean slate white like we're starting brand new all I know y'all did all this stuff but like watch me I am the God who makes all things new and he just he did he did it was incredible and then Elon came back three months later and the the day he got back I remember I picked him up from the airport and we were trying to figure out where to eat or something and we got out of the car and he said will you allow me to court you with the intention to marry you is like literally <laughs> literally his words <laughs> and I'm like who talks like that I, I rehearsed that. it I was, will you allow I, me to court you with like, yeah. so that was so sweet and then um, and then we got engaged the engagement story I'm going to tell like super quick I know we're like almost just out of time but y'all this engagement story is just the bomb and he is not like my baby i know his strengths and i know his weaknesses and planning is not one of them so hey we just we know god gives us he he gives us gifts right this i work for an organization 
that does like school staffing and it's, it's growing. And so my boss, she tells me we're expanding to Houston. And she tells, she tells me this like months, like months in advance. We were thinking about Texas, different cities. So she's like, we're expanding to Houston. And so this one day she calls me, she's like, I want you to go to Houston in like a week. I want you to talk to these schools. Like we're going to set up some meetings. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. I was used to doing it. Like I, I, do that all the time so I was like awesome and so the day before I was like like what's the agenda who am I going to be meeting with and she's like just go go to this address it was a Hilton hotel she said you're going to meet um you're going to meet Sarah or something from Teach for America I get to the hotel looking all over I'm like I'm asking ladies in business suits are you Sarah are you Sarah like I'm Shay I'm, I have a meeting I asked the hotel from people like I'm, I'm looking for Sarah and all this stuff I cannot find this woman and I'm like she's gonna think we're so unprofessional like this is a new city I'm late now I'm like 15 minutes and I like to be on time for meetings I'm panicked sweating I'm in my like business suit I cannot find this woman I'm texting Elon like I'm texting my boss can't find her so long story short this lady she comes out and she's like are you Shannon and I say, yes, are you Sarah? And she's like, yes. <laughs> and so she's like, come with me. And so she walks me to the back of the hotel and we go into this spa. And like, then she's like, we, we have you all set up. They, they do my hair, they do my nails, they give me an hour massage, a facial. I'm so confused, like what is going on? But my boss, she's like really awesome. Like there have been times where like we've had meetings and she's like, let's you've been working hard, like, let's go get our nails done. So I'm like, my boss is just blessing me. I'm like, favor, Lord. She's, she's blessing me, and then we're going to do the school meeting. So I do the whole uh, spa thing, but little did they know, I called TFA, Teach for America, because I was looking for Miss Sarah, who didn't show up. TFA didn't answer, but then there's a woman named Sarah who calls me back while I'm on the massage table, and she's like, do I have a meeting with you? I have no idea who you are. Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you know what, Miss Sarah? I think it was a trick. I think my boss was tricking me. She just wanted to bless me. So never mind. So after we get off the table, my boss texts me. She's like, go to this uh, park and you're gonna meet this principal or something. So I go to the park, I show up early because I like to be on time and I get out of my Uber and I'm looking around. I see a man in a suit and I'm like, hello, are you the principal? He's like, no. And so I'm just looking around like, where? Like, it just was such a weird day. And so I'm looking all around and I was texting Elon and he's at work in New Orleans, right? He's like, oh, work is so da da da. And then I look up and I see Elon. <laughs> I see him. In a suit, in the distance, with a rose in his hand, in Houston, where I'm supposed to be meeting schools and starting businesses. And I'm like, Elon, like, what are you? And he, and, and he like looks at me and he's like busted. Like he looks at me like, oh no, because I wasn't supposed to see him yet. And so then, long story short, like these photographers pop out. He like proposes. It's and we have a photo shoot in the park, and like I'm all like fresh and relaxed and like all done up and then he he got us a, a hotel so we could spend the night in Houston and go to an amusement park the next day side note when he's like booking the rooms he's like I need two, two I need two rooms in this hotel and they're like oh we can give you this room where the door is like connected and he's like oh no that's of the devil I need a he's like I need a room on a different floor I need to be on the third floor she We stay in the hotel, we go to this amusement park the next day, and, and we drive home, and we're like officially engaged. And it was like so, so sweet. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. So then from there, we're like, you know, we're gonna get married. I'm like, I ain't got no time to wait, you know, let's, let's do this thing. You know? So we got married like five months later. We had a, uh, this awesome venue. Um, but the venue, I mean, weddings are expensive. I didn't know that. I was like, you know, it'll be like two grand, you know, it'll be all good. We started looking. I was like, okay, maybe it'll be like four grand. And then I was like, ooh, maybe it'll be like seven grand. And I was like, oh, I think it's going to be a lot more than that. So we just, it was just crazy. But we got like this all-inclusive venue. It was just amazing. Because I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to stress myself out trying to plan. We need to just get them to do everything and we're just going to show up. And so we had to pay the down payment though, right? So I just got her, like I paid for a ring. The trip to Houston was expensive as all get out. It, and like, um, you know, so we had to do the down payment though on the, uh, or it wasn't the down payment, it was like the, no. the payment that you show 
that you're still going to go to the venue. I forget what it's called. Yeah. So all the ladies know. <laughs> no, but actually, it was called something different. Good faith. Huh? The good faith. Yes, that. So it was um, $3,500, and I was like, I do not have this right now. Like, this is... <laughs> Whew, this is really bad. So what I did, I put the piece of paper, they sent me the bill in the mail, and I taped it to the wall, and I just started like praying for it every day. I was like, God, I don't got $3,500, but you do. I need it. We need it. We trying to get married soon. Like, help. And then, like, it was crazy because, I, like, when I went in to marry her, I was like, okay, like, my dad wasn't there you know he didn't do good for my mom like i am going to be the provider i'm gonna be a great provider i'm gonna be an awesome provider like there's no way that shannon's gonna pay for this you know down payment like i'm gonna do everything so god and his sense of humor <laughs> gives shannon a bonus at work for $3,500 out of nowhere her boss didn't know it was just amazing but it was funny because I was praying. I'm like, Lord, you got to give it to me so I can be the provider. And, and he gave, gives it to her. And he's like, Alon, like, I'm the provider, I'm the provider like not story. you. You know, so it was just a really, really good lesson that he taught me in that moment, you know, and just really kind of, you know, was breaking some of that stuff off the old habits and me still trying to like, I'm not going to be anything like my dad instead of just relying on him you know so uh we had the wedding the wedding day was awesome it was beautiful we still haven't posted our wedding pictures yet we, we got one but we're gonna get around to it um, y'all see it soon um and then we went on the honeymoon we went to florida orlando it was amazing it was our first time on a resort and we just had like a blast with the universal and everything else and and it was just it was just such a such a beginning, you know, that God, God really did. He took me, you know, and all my brokenness growing up and all how I was raised and how I view women. And, and, and I didn't, I was used to tell people, I'll get married when I'm like 85 years old, you know, and then, you know, and I'll be good with getting married then. But he took me and all of my brokenness and, and just slowly just revealed himself to me over time and just showed me who he was and how good he was. And it made me want to seek him out. And he took me from that point to being here right now, you know, almost married one year. It's been like an amazing year of marriage. You know, we have people tell us all the time, they're like, you know, wait until you get to year three or, you know, year one's great. Get to year two. We're like, like, get that out of my face. Like this is this marriage is going to be awesome, you know, because it's a choice. And, and it's just been an amazing, amazing time. God undo, undid all of the the junk that we brought to the table and he like put his hand on it and he made it all new. And it was just, it's just been an amazing journey, yeah. you know, and you know, God, he has a, a this standard for marriage and he just slowly taught us what it meant to love one another, what it meant to represent him, you know, in marriage, Christ in the church. And, and we're just like honored and, and, privileged and blessed to to just be here in this moment to be able to say that we have a story to share about our marriage you know and it's just the best time and I'm looking forward to a lifetime yeah and I just want to say like one quick thing too this is the, the last thing but I know in our culture currently there is such a norm with like kind of like try before you buy when it comes to like marriage and, and dating and it's like you got you got to move in you got to see if you're compatible you gotta you gotta try it out right but the lord we did it both ways because we did and then we moved apart and, and when he when i mean like i felt so when, when we got married i was so great like i lived with him but i was so nervous i was like mom like it's going to be so weird. It's just like Shannon. You know y'all lived together before, right? But he just so, I don't know, just made it all so new again. And when you trust the Lord's time, like God created marriage, right? And so we don't have to try it. If it's of God, we don't have to try it out and test it out to see if it's going to be good enough for us or not. To see if we need to make some adjustments. Like 
when God says this is for you, he is going to empower you and give you the faith to, to, for it to not just work, but for it to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, I, and I know like all of us are in different life stages, but like that is like my cry to our generation that like, y'all, like we cannot say like, God, okay, like I'll maybe I'll consider your plan, but like my plan B is like, if this don't work, I'm out. And then I have a plan C. Like God's like, no, God is a God who says, I want my plan to be your plan. A, B, C, D, E, F, G through Z. <laughs> All of it, because I know what I have for you, and it is the best thing. Like, what God has for us is the very best, and it's just better than anything we could have came up with. And so I'm so sweet, I mean, I'm so thankful that he was sweet enough to have mercy on us and to really help us undo all that stuff and come into a marriage with a clean slate, with healthy hearts. I mean, he's still working on us daily, but just... I mean, really did a work. And I mean, I look at him and he looks the same as when I met him, but he's not the same person at all. Like, I'm not the same person at all. He's so sweet and so patient. And if I want to talk about my feelings and he's tired, he's like, wait, baby, like, I'm up. Tell me about your feelings, girl. Tell me. You know, and it's just so different because God just did such a work in his heart. And I have an amazing husband and we are breaking the generational curses in our families to have abusive relationships, divorce ran in our family, like the buck stops with us and it's not gonna go to our children because we say no and we say yes and amen to healthy, whole and healed marriages. And so that is our story. Thanks for listening to the Five Lives podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at fivelives.org. This has been a production of Five Lives Ministries. Any attempt to sell, distribute, or reproduce this content without the express written permission of Five Lives and its speakers is prohibited by law.